Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people and how they do their thing, why they do their thing, how they hang in there and stay resilient. That's what I love to talk about. Um, during this strange time, I thought it would be good to interview people whose projects are available for streaming or on Audible or anywhere that we can actually experience them during this lockdown time. So today's guest is a filmmaker named John Paul Sue. He also goes by JP. He has a movie out, his first feature film that is on Amazon Prime. It's called Toto. And uh, I, I saw it earlier and then I, I watched it again right before I interviewed him. It's really fun. It's moving. It's funny. It's outrageous in times. And uh, I was excited to talk to him about it. Before we get into that, I want to get a plug in for You Don't Know My Life. That's the party game I created with my friend Jeb Havens. We've been doing virtual game nights almost every night. It's become a full-on side hustle. We had Susan Anton on. I may have said that before, but I like to say it again. We did. Um, so if you're looking for something to do with your friends or family to make people feel connected, that is actually really engaging and you don't wish it was the other thing that it isn't, it's actually really well suited to this Zoom format, then go to youdon'tknowmylife.com and you can find out all the information. We would love to help you connect and have some fun. All right, that's enough plugs. Here is John Paul Sue. All right, I'm talking to filmmaker J.P. Sue. Are you in Los Angeles? Yes, I am. You are in Los I'm Angeles. In Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, you wrote and directed a feature film called Toto, um, and it's currently playing on Amazon Prime. It's really good. It's really great. How did you first come up with the idea to to write the story? Um, the story is originally like, uh, conceived by my co-writer, uh, Don Martin, um, and then he approached me to direct the project um, and also to produce it. And... and in the process, I ended up co-writing it because, like, um, as an immigrant myself, I have my own experiences as an immigrant, and, like, I wanted to infuse, like, like from just being a story of, like, um, of, like, some Filipino who wants to, to immigrate to the U.S., I wanted to share, like, what it really is to immigrate to a foreign land and, like, um, and the idea that, like, not everyone are meant to travel, to, to immigrate. Right. And people who, who immigrate uh, overseas, um, they are usually unconscious that they have been preparing for this thing their whole life. Right. You know? They have been tempered in time. And so that's how they're able to be resilient when they um, live in a foreign land. Right, because they've been thinking about it for years and years. And so when it finally happens, they, they're they like, I, I need to make this work. I've been dreaming about it for decades. Yeah. Um, how would you describe the story to someone that didn't know anything about it? Just a little synopsis for the people that, that uh, are listening. Well, um, so the Toto is about like this um, hotel worker, a Filipino hotel worker in the Philippines, um, who really dreams of coming to the U.S., not just because of his own personal dream, but also to fulfill the dream, the unfulfilled dream of his family. Right. You know, the dad tried to immigrate to the U.S., but failed and became an illegal and died there. And the mom got sick, also wanted to immigrate. Um, and here he is um, taking on that responsibility of fulfilling that dream for the family. Right. 
And he's very enamored and of America. Way, yeah, and along the way, you know, he schemes his way to get it. Um, um, and realizes, you know, that is it worth, um, worth taking this risk if, like, you know, if everyone around is also, like, you know, put into danger? Yeah, exactly, because he tries all of these different things. Some of them are not legal to try to make it happen. Um, he's also very enamored of Hollywood and Tom Cruise and, and movies and, and stuff like that. Where did that part of the story come from? I think uh, Asians in general are very much into Hollywood. Right. You know, Tom Cruise is still a big name, like, you know, a big name in Asia. You put Tom Cruise's name in anything, probably even in a toothbrush, right. uh, it fell. Right, it's good to know. Uh, yeah, and and the Philippines is um, it's the only colony of um, former colony of America in Asia, and the, the the American culture is heavily ingrained in the Filipino culture as well. It's part uh, of the it's part being, of the fabric. Yeah, part yeah part of the fabric, part of the DNA. You know, we've been like colony of Spain for three hundred years and America for another fifty years. But for some reason, like, um, American influence is even more obvious. Yeah, it's there. Do you remember seeing... You grew up there. Uh, how old were you when you came to the United States? I was around 24 when I moved to the U.S. I already finished college. I was already working probably for two years. And I decided, you know what, I'm quitting my job and I'm moving to the U.S. because I really want to pursue filmmaking. Right. So what was your job that you were doing before you moved? I was a communication specialist. Okay. Basically, yeah. In a company or a media place? or I, I was working for a multinational telecom company before. And, yeah, that's what I do. Like, partly, like, spin doctoring information. Not information, but, like, you know, um, campaigns, PR stuff. Okay. That makes sense. And you came out uh, to go to NYU, right? I went first to the U.S. and immigrated to New York, explored, and eventually, yeah, took my master's degree at, uh, at NYU, yeah. What was it like when you first came to New York? Was it exciting it or was it like scary? <laughs> What's that? It felt like home. It felt like I've always been meant to, to be in New York. That's amazing. That's how, how yeah, it's... Um, of course, there was the spectacle of Times Square, but like, but more than that, I think moving to New York, you just have to either you have to love it or hate it. Right. And with the vibe, the vibe with the people there, the ambition, the drive, um, yeah, it's just just inspiring. <laughs> I love it. So when did you when you came here, did you have a job in New York, or were you just hitting the ground and you're going to figure it out? I just hit the ground and figured it out. Now, did you have any trouble getting your visa in the way that Toto does in the movie, or was it pretty straightforward? Uh, getting my visa? No. Uh, when, uh, getting my visa to the U.S. was pretty straightforward for me. Yeah. That I am, I'm, I'm thankful for my parents right. for that. You know, um... But living in the U.S., um, going through, you know, um, get, eventually getting a work visa, getting a green card, those things are 
quite challenging. Yeah. I have a friend, a filmmaker friend from Jordan, and he got his green card, but it took years. And I was always hearing every, I talked to the lawyer today, and this happened, and then that, like, it was, it was an odyssey. And I, I can imagine you have a similar experience. It, it was. Um, I went through a couple of lawyers. It's like, you know, like the first lawyer that I went through also, like, uh, kind of screwed up my paperwork. Uh-oh. So, just, yeah, just, like, putting it out there, just being transparent. So I had to, like, look for another lawyer. Uh, and thank God, like, you know, my, uh, my, one of my boss before knew a really, really good lawyer in New York, an immigration lawyer. And he basically helped me navigate the whole process. And eventually, he got me my green card. I love it. What was different about living in the United States than you thought it would be? To be honest, a lot. Because, um, like, back in the back in, um, back in the teens, there's always this... Um, um, very inspiring, very Candy King-like... Um, image of America, you know, um, but coming here, um, how, you know, to a certain extent, like how America has a love-hate relationship with immigrants. Yeah. That is tough. Um, I, I, as an Asian, experienced racism as well, when I was even in New York, um, where my friend is white gets a free barbecue sauce at McDonald's, where I have to pay a dollar. <laughs> wow, it's it, those little tiny things and the big things as well. But you see it in these little moments. Can I ask yeah. you? Did it change and get worse when Trump became president? Did you notice uh, a change? Yes. Day to day. Definitely, it definitely changed. Um, for some reason, it feels like. Um, uh, and for the record, like, you know, when he got elected, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but I think the culture that he, he actually, like, um, propagated, like, um, was this culture of, like, um, hatred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's like rats are suddenly come out and, you know, people who you you know, even in New York, where people are more tolerant and more open to diversity, you start, I, my friends would tell me, like, you know, like, she experienced, like, somebody telling her the day after Trump won, like, go back to your country. The very next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... I'm like, oh, wow. So it's like this whole thing, that this culture that permits this kind of um, mentality when, in fact, the U.S. has always been built by immigrants. Yeah, it's part of our whole history. What who? What year did you come to the U.S.? Where were we in terms of politics? Post nine eleven. Post nine eleven, but before Obama. Bush era. Yeah, Bush era. Was did it feel like a huge risk to your friends and family that you were just going to move to New York? It was. Were they excited yeah. for you? Uh, were, no, my parents were like scared as shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were nervous. You know, like, you no, know, seeing, seeing movies about New York, about drugs, sex, drugs, and, and all those stuff, like, that basically freaked out their parents. 
Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, they were worried that, you know, I'd get into that kind of stuff. Like, first, I don't smoke. Right. <laughs> I'm not a smoker. I don't do drugs. So. Yeah, you're a clean teen. Yeah. And I was fortunate. Like, you know, as an immigrant, I think, um, one thing I would say, though, like, coming to the U.S., not having any family here, you're coming alone like an orphan. Like, it's like you being re reborn into the world. Right. Um, and... And some people, once they come here, um, meet, meet, you know, like go to straight, their lives go to straight uh, because they meet the wrong people. And and as for me, in the beginning I did. I did meet some like people, or shady people, but eventually um, you sift through all the rotten apples and then you find the gems. You find your that. people. Yeah. Yeah. I found my people and... They have been the best people, my family, here in the U.S. ever since. I love that. So what was it like to go back to the Philippines and make your movie? It must have been like a homecoming thing, but also you must have been very proud. But also it's very, it's hard to make a movie. It was strange. Yeah. Uh, It was strange to go back. Well, um, before I went to make my... uh, Went to make went back to make, make my movie. Um, I did my short film there. The short film that got me the VGA award. Right. That was, and then eventually after that, so I already had like a glimpse of like you know like the filmmaking culture there. Right. And then after that, um, my professor from NYU, who's a Filipino, who's a very well respected filmmaker in the Philippines, um, invited me to um, be his AD for his comeback film. Okay. So cool. I went back, AD the film. I was the assistant director, and that actually even prepared me more right. for the task at hand. So when I came back again a year after, pretty much I knew the lay of the land. I knew how to, you know, to troubleshoot any problems, and even the timing. And I think as a director, you need to be a good AD as well because you need to be able to make your day. Right. You need to have an eye on the creative and also the business part of it. Um, yep. Your movie looks really expensive and it looks great. And then you go out into the country and it just has a scope to it. Um, how did you get the money to make it? Uh, remember, we put the, uh, I set up the IFT um, fiscal sponsorship, so we had some people donating through that. Right. And that. Um, I also reached out to friends and family who actually supported me with my short film. Nice. And so, yeah. And so, yeah. Well, most of the, as with most uh, first feature filmmakers, um, the bulk of the funding came from my family and relatives as well. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Your leading actor is very appealing. And he's well-known in the Philippines. Is that right? Your lead actor? Yes. Yes. Pretty much most of them are, like, known figures in the Philippines, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thankful for my line producers who introduced me to them. Nice. Yeah. yeah, my line producer and my supervising producer has been, like, and my two assistant producers, like, uh, who puts my editor and one of my actors as well, um, they have been, like, my backbone, like, you know, the, the one that, like, kept me uh, in pay. I love that. <laughs> Were there places that you shot that have sentimental value to you? Did you use any of your 
your old, you know, your homes or, or, or anybody's places that you knew from when you lived there? Uh, no, actually, no, we, we did not. Uh, we did not um, do that. Um, pretty much like we, we went out of town. Because I, I, I was born and raised in Manila. Right. And in the traffic, knowing that the issues that, we'll, that I'll be like, facing there, we made a decision to actually shoot somewhere away from Manila. Right, even the hotel stuff. Yeah, everything. Everything, everything was shot outside, and then we just like did some CGI on certain things. Nice. I love Which it. you probably wouldn't notice. <laughs> right. And no, I, I didn't notice. Um, what I liked about your movie so much is it has this wacky tone in some parts of it, and there's a there's a person that isn't real that appears, and there's some fantastical elements, but then it also can get serious, and it has a lot of heart. How did you sort of navigate the tone of your movie? I think that's always been, like, the style that I usually go for. Um, right. Uh, my philosophy is um, in life. Uh, it's always um, for you to appreciate the, the the sadness, the the bad things in life. You need to see the the good things as well, right? And vice versa. And for me to bring you to that catharsis, I think I need to show you first the beauty that you might lose if you don't ha- uh, if you if you know if you if you make the wrong turn. Yeah, I love it. Uh, um, you have some sex scenes in your movie that are kind of comedic. Uh, what were they like to direct? It was one of the hardest. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's awkward, probably. Yeah, it was one of the hardest for sure. Uh, I remember my actress drinking white wine first to calm her down. <laughs> right. Um, and it was very technical. Right. Like, I'm sure that it was very, it was tech, uh, it was very technical. And <clears throat> at the same time, like I trusted my actors to actually pull it off. Uh, good thing is they both trust each other. They, um, my actress already was in theater, right? So she knows this kind of stuff. And you know, like my 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 actor has also like um, had nude scenes in other films, but like uh, for this one, it, it was different because it's the first time that he's doing a nude scene where he's doing comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's just do like comedy, like a full-on comedy for a whole film. Yeah. Was there a day where things just went wrong, like where you almost got kicked out of a location, or like just something wasn't working? Because it feels like with every movie, you have those moments. I know from my own experience. Oh yeah, um, there there were a number of things. Like uh, to begin with, like cause in the Philippines, there there is a culture. There's there is a yes culture. Uh, like, it's always like, oh, yeah, we can do that, we can do this, we can do that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, no. you can shoot here, we'll do this and that, and then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They tell until, you what you want to hear. Yeah, until reality hits the fan, and then, like, oh, no, we actually cannot shoot here. Yeah. <laughs> like, the elevator scene, like, we had to abbreviate that, because, like, suddenly, like, oh, actually, we can, you can only shoot for a few, couple of hours, and then... Uh, Three days before the shoot, before my first day of shoot, um, the church that I was supposed to shoot uh, at and and the cemetery suddenly declined. They were like, like "No, you were out." Like, like, yeah. And it's not like, and we prepared this for a month. 
You know, we we booked it for a month, a month in advance, right. and then the priest like, oh, I forgot we have Palm Sunday mass. So and there's a celebration. So actually, you can't use the church. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. Now you tell us. Yeah. How was the film received in in the Philippines? I know you, it's, it did really well at some festivals there, yeah? Yeah, it did well in festivals there. And got good reviews, yeah. Um, it, back then, um, we did have some hurdles because, like, um, there were some classical distribution issues there. As with any independent films, uh, sure. they always a struggle to release it in the Philippines because, like, you're competing with studio films yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, they have the first, um, first day, last day thing where if you don't meet your quota on your first day, you're out. On your first day in the theater? You don't even get to play a full yeah. weekend? Yeah. Wow. Um, so you're calling you everybody you know and saying, go to the movies? Yeah, we had a strong social media team, yeah. and then we were on TV. Like, you know, I used to work for one of the big networks there. Right. So I asked their assistance, and then and my actors are quite known there, so they were also, like, doing their own uh, publicity right. for, for, for the film. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I could hope for more, but, like, you know, like, it is what it is, and, like, I'm so happy that, you know, of how it turned out. Like, yeah. It's bi- it's a big, splashy movie. You must be very proud. Were you proud when it all came together and, and you got to start showing it to people in festivals and things? Yeah. Uh, I was proud. To, I was proud. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. I I have a feature now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How long was the shoot? It was 17 days. Wow. That's quick. Yeah. Yeah. You had a scene, um, and I guess it's a drag bar or some kind of a, a drag performance. That must have been fun to shoot. Yeah, yeah that was uh, one whole day of shooting there in that, uh, in that, in that bar, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and the performer's fantastic that's in that scene. Uh, one of the misadventures yeah. that Toto gets into trying to make his dream come true. Um, do you remember growing up your first experiences at the movies when you first went? Um, some of them, yeah. Uh, did you love them from from the beginning? Did I did love the spectacle for sure. Um, I forgot what movie that was though. It may be a Filipino film. Sure, but I remember. Yeah, but I did remember. You know, like um, one thing I remember because like. Um, uh, I, I'm close to my mom. I'm a mama's boy. Okay. So, when I was a kid, um, I'd go to the movies with her and, like, you know, like, some of, like, you know, co-workers and all that. And my mom has this very stern um, persona. Doesn't cry. Iron lady and stuff. Right. Um, so, I think the most memorable thing for me was, like, Witnessing my mom cry for the first time. So she could, she would feel things in movies that she wouldn't express in real life. Yeah, like I saw the catharsis that, 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 you know, the catharsis in her, and I was like, wow. So that's the power of this of cinema, right? So 
think that actually like made a big impact on me that up until now, like my the most important thing for me is for the artist actually to connect to the film. The audience. To feel some whether to laugh, to cry, to be moved. Right. Um, but more than anything, like, you know, that's paramount when I make my film. I love that, though. So your mother wasn't super expressive in day-to-day life, but when she went to the movies, you would see all the emotions. She was expressive in a way that a businesswoman. Yeah. And I think you would be. Right. Um, but doesn't show any any signs of weakness. Vulnerability. Any signs of, like, vulnerability. Um, just, like, all strength. Right. All Superman. Super Wonder Woman. I love it. What does she think of Toto? She loved it. I'm like, oh, it's really good. Yeah. And my dad, the best, one of the better compliments for me is like seeing my dad not fall asleep while watching my films. <laughs> my dad used to fall asleep when watching films. He, he's notorious like, for falling asleep. Yeah. 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 Not just falling asleep, but snoring too. Right. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> fun. Um, and he did not snore and he did not fall asleep. So that was good. <laughs> that's a double win. Um, when did you come to Los Angeles from New York? I moved uh, in 2014, fall of 2014. Okay, so a while. Um, do you like it? What do you think of LA? It, um, it's different. It's very different. Right. <laughs> it's a different experience for me. I love the weather, for sure. Right. Um, the people, is very different, very bad, um, very warm. Um, there's good and bad for LA and both, both LA and New York. So I take the best. And like you know, go with it. Right. So coming off of of Toto, was that able to open some doors for you professionally in in Hollywood? Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, to, uh, if I'm if I'm being very honest, yeah, um, it's okay because I think uh, it's a very common thing among my filmmaker peers. Like this, it's not. It's very common that that feeling of like, wow, I thought, you know. Yeah, I thought something, but yeah, share your experience. So for me, um, my short film opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah, it was called um, Pag Pag? Yeah. What's it about? That opened a lot of doors for me, got me into the ABC directing program, the NBC directing program. So that opened a lot of doors. As for my feature film, um, for some reason, it did not cast fire uh with like industry people i don't know why um so when people tell me that oh it's a good film but i'm like yeah but it's not catching fire like it's not like attracting agents or managers yeah for yeah and like but this is a town of rejections like they'll always find a reason to reject you so for me i guess their excuse was like oh it's nice it's funny but it's a foreign language film. Yeah, I, I, I feel like... I've seen this before as a gay filmmaker. They, they sort of feel like, oh, that's that. And they don't make any connections to other kinds of movies that you could make. Or they kind of put yeah. you somewhere. And they... Okay, it's, it's strange. But I thought your movie, it had scope and size and comedy. And it, feel, it, felt, like a, like, it felt like a mainstream movie that I would have loved, you know... That a big studio would have made. It didn't feel like a little Sundance two-person movie. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> I applaud that. Um, oh, here's what I'm curious about. 
there's two there's different languages in the script on paper what does that look like on the on the uh, paper um stage directions are all in english mm-hmm. uh initially written in english and then i had to translate all the dialogue to filipino right but whenever there are changes in the dialogue in uh in filipino or in english i have to retranslate it to filipino and then from filipino if i have to change those things i have to retranslate it to english and then on top of that once the whole film was done we had to watch it and then recalibrate the english translation for the subtitles and most of the time foreign films stumble when they translate their film literally and with this one based on my experience uh on on my short film uh, i made made it a point that i translate the essence and the tone of the dialogue right you have to capture the feeling and not just do the word for word um and i understand it wouldn't be a challenge that much for the actors because that's who they are and they're used to that but in terms of a, a script and then showing this company and like people get hung up on stuff like that yeah yeah it's like i remember like uh, some uh, uh publicity uh publicist from new york said like oh you know what's weird your film is a foreign language film but it's something like an american film i'm like i don't know if that's a compliment or not <laughs> <laughs> right um what's it like to have a movie up on amazon where where people are discovering it all the time and do you because i noticed you have a very high rating of audience ratings do you follow that stuff I follow once in a while, and also like you know, like um, like recently, like somebody who posted a review there, so like, oh, I just saw your film. I'm like, oh, really? Because I obviously I'm already busy. Like, I moved on, and like I'm busy like, working on other projects right now. Yeah. So like, like people say, tell me that, I'm like, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> it's out there. Oh, yeah, I love that. And then I I would see like you know people posting it. I'm like, this is. Yeah, it, it is nice, and it's nice to read like how they feel about the film. Yeah, yeah. To see if you connected with what what you were going for, if they picked up on that. Um, what was your short film about? My short film, Pak Pak, is about uh, also a dark comedy drama about like this grandmother from a landfill in the Philippines who tries to um, put his put her granddaughter to, for adoption, and on. In the story, um, she has been tra- she has been auditioning she has been training her granddaughter for to do some audition numbers, you know, to perform for the prospective uh, prospective um, adoptive parents. Nice. And, and it revolves around it revolves around you know the, the dynamics between the the grandmother and the granddaughter, and the dynamics between the potent the the potential adoptive, um, prospective adoptive uh, um, parents yeah. and the family. And is yeah. she doing so, little performances, the little girl? Yeah. She's sort yeah. of auditioning in a way. Yeah. She had, to, she, had to, she had to win over the love or the affection of the adoptive parents. Yeah. So that they finally, like, you know, adopt her. Because she, like, the backstory is that like she's been going through this whole process again and again and she's always been rejected by at the very last minute by by adoptive by the adoptive parents yeah you know nice um is that available anywhere to watch online yeah um 
I think PBS will be putting it up again probably by next year. But uh, if you have DirecTV, it's on DirecTV. I'm on DirecTV. Uh, yeah, it's on Shorts International. Oh, cool. Awesome. Shorts TV, yeah. So it's on Shorts TV. It's available around the world. Uh, under, um, and where else? Yeah. That's cool. Well, it sounds like that movie really kind of uh, opened some opportunities up for you in terms of, like, the DGA thing and stuff like that. Yeah, it did. It did very much so, yeah. Was it thrilling? Yeah. It was. It was. It was thrilling. It, 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 was my, it wasn't even my thesis film. Because, like, totally it's my thesis film in, in NYU. Right. And, and that one was my second year film. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I was, it was thrilling for me to, to you know, for me to do that and then to win. Because, like, where I shot that was, like, pretty much, like, very close to where I, used, where I grew up. Right. Uh, that, that slum area, the Smoky Mountains, they call it. Like, it's a landfill, a famous landfill. And, yeah, it's pretty much, like, 15, 10, 15 minutes away from where I used to live, where I, used to gr- where I grew up. Wow. So shooting there and, you know, and... And seeing the the depressing community there, it's just eye-opening as well. Yeah, it's very, you know, moving and sad, I imagine. Um, I'm going to ask you some random questions about movies that I, I usually have them on these little cards, but I don't have them because we're on Skype. Um, what movie did you see when you were way too young to see it? I think a movie that I was supposed to watch at that time when I was young was Superman. Oh, really? The Christopher Reeve? Yeah, the first one. Because I think I, wa- I saw that when I was still, like, around three, four years old. Ooh. And you know the thing where the Golden Gate Bridge cra- uh, crash and yeah. the end of the world thing? That pretty much traumatized me. Right. Disaster movies were the scariest ones for me when I was a kid. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of... Um, Poseidon Adventure, which was in the seventies, where the ship goes upside down, like that stuff is the yeah. ones that stuff scared me, like the disaster stuff. So, yeah, so yeah. that traumatized you, Superman. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah ironically, Superman traumatized me. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. What movie have you seen the most times? Oh, there's a number of films that I've seen the most. The oldest one is Sound of Music, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've seen it a lot of times. That was like, the first I movie I ever saw in a theater. It, ah. Yeah, my mom took me. It was, I think, the only movie my mother ever took me to. And I wanted to be those kids and run around and sing with Maria. And, and I also remember having <laughs> a nervous breakdown when they were hiding from the Nazis behind the, you know, yeah. tombstones or wherever they were. I was having a nervous breakdown as a kid. Yeah. So that was a yeah. big movie for you. Yeah, it was. Actually, I think it, it's one of the most influential movies for me that actually, like, steered me to filmmaking. Wow. What was it about yeah. that movie? I don't know. The grandeur of the film? The, the Julie Andrews singing? Yeah. Something about it. Like, you know, the singing, the optimism of that story. But at the same time, like, you know, like, watching it over the years, as you mature, you see the nuances, the political aspect of the story. Yeah. Like how it actually, like how you, how your reading of the film changes as you age. Yeah. Like you see the different layers, and I think that is something that shows, um, 
you know, the craftsmanship that was put into the film. Right. Well, yeah. I uh, I wrote a book called Screening Party, and each chapter is a different film. But it's a group of friends that watch these films and how they relate to them. It's, it's like a novel thread through. But as an adult, Sound of Music, I'm obsessed with the Baroness. Because she's like, what the fuck do I have to do? Like, I'm here, I'm perfect, and this nun just walks in. Like, I just could see her seething. <laughs> how am I supposed to compete with this young, virginal... Now she's doing puppets. You know, I'm the Baroness. This is bullshit, right? And then there was the uncle. Was it Uncle Max? Yeah. He seemed gay to me. Did he seem gay to you? Back then? Um, or now? Now he seems gay to me. Back then I had no idea. Now he yeah. seems a little gay. Yeah, maybe he is gay. Maybe he's a positive gay. That's right. <laughs> uncle Max. Anyway, yeah. So that that was a good one. So Sound of Music you've seen a bunch That's, of times. Yeah, Moulin Rouge. For sure. Moulin Rouge, so good. Moulin Rouge, I, I've seen a, a number of times. American Beauty. Yeah. Um, what else? I've seen a number of films that I've seen a couple of times. Um, I think for reference purposes, I think I've seen Fargo and No Country for Old Men a, a number of times as well. Nice. Uh, I tend to watch films again and again. Because, like, whenever I watch it, I see new information. Right. And I like it. Oh, the most... Parasite. Parasite. <laughs> it's I so good. seven times. Seven times? Well, yeah. I bet you pick something up every different every time. I saw it twice in the theater, and I liked it more the second time than the first. Um, it's so brilliant, and it's so smart about the way we are now, even in America, you know, the, the different, the haves and the have nots, but and then it also works like a thriller and it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I was so happy when it won the Oscar. Um, where, yeah. where, where did you watch the, watch the Oscars this year? I, I watched the, last, the second half cause I was on set that day. Oh yeah. What were you working on? And I was working on a, on a web series. So, um, and thank God I'm the 80. So I get a call to schedule it. Right. You're like, you know what? Oscars. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I tell the director, like, hey, we're starting at this time and ending at this time. Yeah. I'm like, why? Because the Oscars? Like, hell yeah. Exactly. I'm a, we're filmmaker people. We're going to watch the Oscars. What are you going to do? You have to. Um, let me say, I have another fun movie question. Okay. What movie costume do you wish you owned so you could wear it around the house? Maybe I would want to wear uh, Gandalf the White robe. <laughs> ah, from Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Because it, 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 it looks very comfortable. It's cozy. You could curl up with it. I think so. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's not binding. It's free. Yeah. Um, here's another one of those random questions. Okay. Imagine you're single, whatever your situation is. You meet the love of your life standing in line at a Revival House movie theater. What movie showing? The one on top of my head is Moulin Rouge, but I remember it being a tragedy in the end, so I'm not sure. But it's so romantic. I remember seeing that movie for the first time, and I somebody that I had dated happened to be there, and I was like, ugh, he's here. And then I just remember crying four times. I'm like, I cried four times. When he first goes, my gift is my song, I'm out. Boom, crying for no reason. So, yeah, I hear you. 
Yeah. That's a good one. I want to see the musical. Um, my friend saw it in New York and said it was great. But it good. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll have musicals again someday. Um, what are you up to now? Anything? Um, any projects you want to talk about? Or I have a number of projects that are in development. I'm working on a on a project called Karaoke News. It's a story about like this woman who who's been auditioning for a show for the longest time, and and now he tries to put together a fake hostage at a karaoke lounge to be famous. I love it. I love the desperation, and the that's a, that's super fun. That's good. I like it. Um, do you do for your for your day to day working? You said you ad on things. Is that kind of what you do? Work on different projects. Um, ad. I still do. Yeah. I, I still ad some projects, and then um, I, I ad sometimes I still shoot because I before moving to 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 LA I was a cinematographer, camera operator, and editor. Oh, nice. Um, I, I don't really edit that much anymore, but I still shoot once in a while when, when a company calls me up to shoot something for them. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, these days, I'm just like doing a lot of like AD work because that's the demand for me right now. And on top of that, I teach. I go to the Filthy Fox a year to teach for a month. Um, and that's it. And I write. Yeah. I love it. So um, you, you go to the Philippines. Mostly writing. Uh, so you go to the Philippines once a year to teach filmmaking? Yeah. What's it like when you go back? It's good because, like, um, um, it's good because, like, I just feels like paying paying it forward, right? You know, like whatever I know, whatever I learned here. Because I on top, on top of like me being immersed here in Hollywood, I also go to the different festivals and you know uh, talk to different people. So like every industry practice, I I you know I absorb, um, I learn, I try to. Uh, impart that, share that to to my students. Right. Uh, I hope that you know, like when they produce their own projects in the future, um, it'll have it'll be better. Yeah. The system, because I te- I teach producing there, production management, so right. scheduling, uh, everything. How producers should look into the script and everything. So. Yeah. Um. Because you're not just teaching them about the craft and things like that, but it's also like the grind of it and the li- the life of it and the pursuit of it, right? It's like yeah, yeah. this is what's what it's like, and and if you're up for that, then it can be great. But it's not an, an easy road, right? No, yeah, uh, and also they had to do it. It's a hands-on uh, course, so they have to do something. Because like um, I remember when I was teaching the first, yeah. First two years, same thing every time. First two day, first day, always the students think that oh, what I'm teaching is so easy. Yeah. Until they then they have to do it. Right? Yeah, and the thing is, like you know, for filmmaker, for us filmmakers, and for for a teacher, you'd want to make it sound easy for your students to do, not make it sound intimidating. Right. You know, but some students they take it for granted if it sounds easy until they do it. Right, and then. So, so they only learn when they do it. When they get their hands dirty and they get right in it. Um, isn't like AD, that feels like the hardest job on a film set to me. Because it feels like you have to wrangle everybody, right? Yeah. It's different than a line yeah. producer. Uh, it's not the same. Yeah. But you're the one that has to yell at people to come on. Right? Yeah. To make, yeah. 
and make sure you know everyone's happy, every, everyone's on time. <laughs> right, but you don't getting seem like done, a, getting stuff done. Can you be a hard ass if you have to be? You seem very nice. Uh, I'm different than Seth. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not like I don't think I I I am tough on Seth, but not mean on Seth. There you go. That's the way you want to be. Otherwise, you're never going to make your day. What do you love about movie sets, the environment? What makes you excited? The energy. Yeah, you can feel it? Yeah, the energy is there, making the day, um, knowing that you're telling a story, a good story. It's different. It's different every time. For me, it's always different depending on the position I'm in. Right. You know, uh, as a director, it excites me because, like, you know, I'm able to, like, you know, like, put this team together, impart my vision and tell my story through them as well. Right. Learning to trust the people on set and at the same time, being able to um, bring out performances from my actors. You love working with the actors. I love working with my actors and I love composing my shots. <laughs> That's good. And I love that. Yes, I do. I do love, I do love that. I think because I used to be a camera operator and a cinematographer. And for me, when I'm, when I'm a cinematographer and a camera operator, the exciting thing for me is capturing the moment. Yeah. It's literally capturing the moment and seeing the nuances and how I can capture all the nuances in the same frame. That's, that's like, yeah, that's heaven for me. That makes you super, super <laughs> excited. Um, how can people find your stuff? I know that Toto is on Amazon Prime, T-O-T-O. And uh, you said that... Amazon Prime is on Tubi, on Roku, and it's on iTunes as well. Oh, it's on iTunes. That's cool. You get money yeah. from that, right? A, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You know, the algorithm, the math of this, all this like, distribution, kind of tricky. I know. It's not nice, but at least it's out there. Yeah. Um, out there. Hoping for more people to watch it after this podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it's going to blow up. Uh, trust me. I have tens of listeners. Do you do social media, like Twitter and Facebook I and do, stuff? I, on Twitter, I am JP Sue. On Instagram, I am JP underscore SU. Nice. All right, cool. I have two more questions for you. Sure. Do you ever think what would have happened if you hadn't come to New York and, and pursued filmmaking? Where would I be? I probably would still be in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, but I've always, I always knew that I was, I would, I would leave the Philippines to be somewhere else. So I wouldn't know. I, I don't know. Maybe London. I would be in London or something like that. Right. But you um, wouldn't. London or Italy. Yeah. Yeah. But you always knew you were going to go somewhere. I, yeah, I, I knew that I was bound to, to move somewhere else, move overseas, and live somewhere else, pursue something. There. If I wasn't a filmmaker right now, probably I would be a chef. Oh, really? Do you make good yeah. food? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's good, especially now when you're uh, everyone's hauled up at home. Um, final question. Why do you make films? Why do I make films? Because I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think everyone in life has a purpose. Doctors are... Doctors People who become doctors are really meant to be there saving people's lives. Um, some people are meant to farm, and some people are meant to nurture the soul. And I think as filmmakers, that's, that's my job, to, to enrich the soul 
of the audience to remind them why, what life is, why life is beautiful, and why life has to evolve. I love it. That's awesome. It's been really fun to talk to you. Congrats on your movie. Good luck with everything you got going on. And I hope that when all of this is over, we can uh, meet in person. That'd be awesome. Yes. Bye. Thanks again to John Paul Sue. Check out his movie Toto on iTunes and Amazon Prime. All right, so this happened. I have some intriguing news around You Don't Know My Life, but I'm going to share until I know more. But I'm planting that intrigue seed. Um, what else happened? You know, not that much. I did see Becoming the Michelle Obama documentary on Netflix, and it's really good. And it really makes you miss the Obamas even more than we probably already do. Um, she's sassy and really funny and, like, can play out scenes, and she's just great. And um, I was really moved by the idea that she had to be perfect, that to be the first black anything, you have to be perfect. You can't mess up at all. And to be a white president afterwards, you don't even have to be able to read. But they had to be perfect, and they were. Um, But I really, there was a scene at some point where they're at a stadium um, interview where Michelle's touring with her book, and she's with um, her husband, Barack, and they're walking out through the innards of the stadium, and they're just saying thank you to people. I think they're at a stadium. They're just somewhere with people, like in a, like walking through a kitchen and just saying thank you to people. And it felt like, to me, the height of leadership, them just being nice, saying thank you. Anyway, we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.